Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back and ready to go alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, slash Periscope, whatever that used to be. If, you, <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast after the show, welcome. We hope you'll rate and subscribe there. And check out FanDuel.com slash OK360 for the very latest Masters offer, which tees off tomorrow morning. At 7 a.m., you can get on board right now, and all the latest odds are available with the Masters and Augusta National FanDuel.com slash OK360. John McClain's coming up in 15 minutes. We'll get the latest NFL headlines on uh, Deshaun Watson and much more out of Houston. Gentlemen, good morning. Why did I feel the urge to say good evening when we open? It feels like we've already accomplished Chad, so good much evening. this morning. So, so much. It was a weird sensation where I just really wanted to say good evening to open the show. Um, but we have done so much. We've gone through band names with Lance and Jacob. David Reed has chimed Song in also. Titles. We went through some uh, former bits on our old show uh, that may return at some point. Uh, so much has been accomplished in the studio this morning. It's been very impressive. Uh, yeah, it's a lengthy, thorough conversation. The, per <laughs> the Periscope symbol lives on. So I think it's uh, a bit confusing. I, uh, yeah, it is confusing to me because they went for several months where we didn't know whether or not, well. They we, told us it was, it was going away. It was going to be Twitter Live. But Twitter Live is effectively Periscope. I think you just get there different ways. I, I don't know. Uh, they, they've muddied up the situation. Here, here's the problem I have with uh, big tech and what we want versus what we don't want. What I want is a one-stop shop. Right. What I want is to go one place. We're everywhere. Wherever you could, wherever you go, you're going to be able to find us, and we're going to come to you across all different medium. But I want to consolidate my listening, viewing habits into one spot where I can go and get everything. But that is not what we want in America: <laughs> is for one global giant to have control of everything. Right. So it's almost conflicting. There, there should be competition and all these different avenues to listen, watch, whatever you want. Yet me, the consumer, I just wish I could have less apps on my phone and go to one place and get it all. This is funny. I'm too So, funny. like, the Periscope and, and Twitter, right, that's a good uh, thing of what I'm talking about. Like, I really want it to just be Twitter Live because I'm on Twitter all the time. I don't like to go and check all these other social media accounts, even though I'll do it, because I really just want to go to Twitter and have it all right there. But you're going to confuse the consumer when you take Periscope away because they're accustomed to Periscope. But yet, I really want it just to all be Twitter. But Twitter having that much power is also not Bad. good. This is, this is the, the round and round we go. But a uh, quick aside, I think it's a little bit like Babu's restaurant on Seinfeld, where he wanted to have something for everyone mm -hmm. and uh, then was discouraged from doing so. To have and, an authentic Pakistani uh, restaurant. Right, and then that didn't work. Um, 
but I, I think you contradict yourself somewhat because, uh, somewhat because I think you like all these streaming services. And I am getting to the point with all the streaming services where I'm saying, wouldn't it be great if we just had one thing yeah. where everything was on, which is called TV, like it used to be, yeah, where everything cable. was just on TV and you didn't have to flip between yeah. uh, Peacock and Netflix and Amazon Prime and w whatever else, which would so, take it back, Hutton, to... TV as we used to know it. Well, it's <laughs> the good old days. It's funny that it was it was this novel concept of digital streaming when Netflix got in the market, and then Amazon Prime, and then Hulu, and then Disney Plus. Now everyone, Paramount Plus is going to be the next big one. Yeah, the they're way too late in. They're they're not. But they've got a huge library of stuff that they're going to be rolling out. So it's it's going to be attractive to a lot of people. They're going to have an, uh, an original Yellowstone spinoff that'll be only on Paramount Plus that people are going to want to watch. But you have all these things, and in the beginning it's this novel, well, I gotta get Netflix, and now I gotta get Amazon, now I gotta do this. Eventually it's gonna be just like the cable companies, yeah, just as in expensive. that we're gonna pay $150 to $200 into all of these streaming services, as opposed and to one based cable. on watches, based on how many people watch what, they're gonna get a certain percentage of it. So Netflix is probably gonna get the most money from these packages, then you're gonna go down the line, Amazon, Prime. whoever else, Prime, Disney Plus, will be Great a big player in that. And they're all going to be arguing over what piece of the pie they get with this streaming bundle where they put everything into the same pool. And then we're going to be equally as frustrated with that as we were with cable. At least the TVs now, the, the smart TVs, it's not that big a pain to, to flip from streaming app to streaming app. We've moved on from having to change the source on your TV. But for a while, it was a big pain in the ass to move from one thing to the other. But I, I don't think it's such a great thing to have to. I mean, you got to go all over the place to find your, your stuff. But it's a niche market, right? Well, so what's my thing? I want to watch the, the, the Champions League game this afternoon uh, with Chelsea. You know, I, I know where to find it. So everybody knows what you learn where to find your stuff and you go find it. Here's what I've discovered also. Every television, every smart TV is different in its interface and configuration. And there's one TV in my house that's frustrating when I go to it. And I hate the way it's laid you out. you got to get all the same And TVs. another one that's great. But what I did with the one that's frustrating is you just get the Amazon Fire Stick. Then you plug that in. And that's very easy to navigate. Now you got to go to a different source to do it. But once you go to that screen... It's so easy with that Fire Stick to navigate all your different streaming apps in one stop. So now I feel like I'm just going to get that and not worry about what the TV's interface looks so like. So all your interfaces. Because then I can just go to uh, you know uh, option two, source two on my television. It's all right there with the Fire Stick always on. See, I'm a Vimeo guy, so like we have predominantly Vimeo TVs. I like their interface or LGs. Uh, I don't even know what Vimeo one. is. <laughs> Vizio. Vizio, sorry, yeah. Vimeo is the... Vimeo is what we use yeah, for right. our guests. Vizio or LG, I'm not sure which one. But we have predominantly those, and they all have the same interface. And I, I like it, or I've come to like it. I don't know, maybe they've trained me. Um, but it's similar in the bonus room and the living room and the bedroom, and so I'm used to it. What's your deal? I think I, uh, we have Sony and Samsung. That's it. Do you like the interface? Or you've come to be you know, comfortable what, with it. You know, one has Netflix. The other has, um, like, Hulu's on the remote. So you you got, I'm like Chad, you have to get all the the adapters. Well, the I'm Amazon saying it, Comcast stick. is actually You have added a Fire Stick, too, right? Yeah. yeah. See, it's, I still have Comcast, and Comcast has added these things. So, like, it was a big deal that Comcast finally added Disney 
as one of its apps that you can access through their thing. So I don't have to use the smart TV features. I'm using Comcast's features. And, you know, I'm anti-Comcast in a lot of ways, but they have made it easier to go to these things, which is smart of them because it keeps you on Comcast. I still will go just to the screen and click over and go to each one. Even if it's on there, I won't use it. The one person in my house who uses those buttons, my 19-month-old daughter who always grabs the remote and (laughs) accidentally presses one of those, and I look up. And we're buying something on Amazon Prime Sweet. for $30 because she somehow magically hit buttons to get to something that we're purchasing. I've never used Amazon Prime on my TV. Have you? On, no. your, on your remote, you mean? On my, phone, on my TV. Oh, I use it on television all the time. It's Amazon, part of the apps. Yeah. No, I use Amazon Prime to watch TV. I've never bought Oh, you're product. saying to buy. Oh, I got you. Yeah, to buy something. No, I've never done that. But Amazon... It's Amazon Prime is the TV. Prime video, yeah, yeah yes. is, the, is what I, I'm talking I, it's about. Tremendous. Zero, zero, zero. I just watched on your recommendation. It's fantastic. We've got uh, John McClain coming up in about 12 minutes where we'll get the very latest on Deshaun Watson where the NFL and their vice president for communications yesterday uh, came out, Brian McCarthy is his name, came out as predicted, as we mentioned on the show. The I next think. step was for the NFL to say something publicly. Well, they said they were monitoring the situation. Meanwhile, Nike has done exactly what I said the NFL should do, which is put everything on pause with Deshaun Watson. Put him in the freezer. Um, now Beats by Dre is doing the same thing, uh, according to Sarah Barshop of the ESPN. The dominoes will fall. Um, again, the, the next stage of this will be the national media asking the NFL what it plans to do with Deshaun Watson while the investigation continues. Uh, I'm all for due process in this. But I'm also for the NFL, which has set precedent in the past of uh, things that were far, far less reprehensible. Um, With far less acting, evidence. Acting on this in a way that is fair to all sides, including the 22 accusers uh, and, and every, everyone involved here. So we'll get the very latest with John McClain uh, and what's going on with Deshaun Watson and the 22 sexual assault lawsuits and the one criminal uh, case that has uh, been going on as well that has been filed. So uh, that's straight ahead. We'll talk NFL draft with him as well. Plus, his Baylor Bears winning the national title. Sick-um. That's right. That, that, that's coming up. Uh, we have some info on the Tiger Woods crash, where the reports are he was going 83 and a 45, and that double the spread. <laughs> and that is not the spread you want to double. No. And I lost the I lost the tweet that had the exact miles per hour, mid 80s in a 45. The speed caused the crash. That is what is coming out today on the reason. Here we go. He 83 miles per hour in a 45 zone. I know that's not double. I was being funny. Um, that is 38 miles per hour over the speed limit. Do you lot. then face? Like, do you have to pay for the criminal charge? Well, not even the criminal charge, speeding, but like the emergency case. response, uh, anything that's damaged. If you're found that you're Speed speeding question. to that level with something, do you end up having to pay the state for something? Uh, none of us have sped that much and gotten in that uh, kind of accident, fortunately, to, to know. Well, one of our listeners or viewers might, so we could get a tweet back on that. Did you see the story from Rory McElroy that he shared on Tiger? Uh, recently went to visit him. And he had, you know, certain major championship trophies around him in the home. Like when you walk in, they're on display. And Rory was asking him where the others were 
all of his wins. I mean, he was just like, I, my, my mother, you know, had some displayed and I don't know where they're stored. It's like, honestly, I don't know where the other ones are. The, the ones that matter are on display. That's great. And Roy, Roy like said he left. He said he left and he thought to himself like, yeah, I'm, I'm now headed to Augusta National, one that matters. Yep. This is definitely one that will be on display. Right. That's un unsurprising. But speaking of on display, much like right behind Paul right now, the Masters shirt. We put that on display. Others put Masters trophies on display. Tomorrow is Thursday. They will be golfing at Augusta National while we're on the air. And I will be wearing that shirt. This will be here. The Masters shirt. Uh, Jim Schwartz has joined the Titans as a defensive assistant, a senior assistant on their staff. The Titans making that official through an email this morning. Uh, we will get to this in the Tennessee Power Hour and how it affects uh, the staff setup. And Lots of thoughts from all of us. Yeah, we've, we've got plenty. That, that, that's all coming up as well. Uh, and we'll get into the NFL draft a bit uh, later this hour as well. But John McClain is straight ahead. The latest with Deshaun Watson and more from the man in black. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Emma Notstein, David Reed, the chairman of the board. They all make the show happen for us. You can follow the show on Twitter at Outkick360, of course, on YouTube, on Facebook. And if you are listening on podcasts, we hope you'll, hope you'll like and subscribe. Give us a rating there as well. And uh, share the podcast if you don't mind. Always great to be joined by the great John McClain. On Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Time to get the latest NFL headlines. Uh, which continues to be Deshaun Watson and Houston. But first, John, congratulations to the Baylor Bears, national champions of college basketball. You have to be thrilled. I'm thrilled and proud as someone who went to my first game when I was a Cub Scout, when I was eight years old, basketball and football. been a big Baylor fan since. I've never tried to hide that, and I never thought, they would win a national championship in men's basketball. The women have won three. Uh, they've won others in women's sports. This is only the second national championship for a men's team in Baylor history to the tennis team a few years ago. So considering where that program was when Scott Drew took over and all the limitations he had the first two years, no non-conference games, no very, very limited scholarships, they were taking walk-ons and telling those walk-ons, if you walk on, you got a chance to play and you might even start. So after that terrible first two years and then it kind of evened out, Scott Drew's done a fabulous job. You talk about great timing. Baylor is about to build a new basketball arena and they're waiting on the final funds. And something like this just makes those wealthy alumni, not including me, step up and say, here, how much you need in this check? And as I proposed on my two weekly shows a week in Waco, they need to build statues outside that new building to Kim Mulkey, the women's coach, and Scott Drew, the men's coach. And, John, you know the history of Baylor athletics as well as anyone as an alumni and someone who's followed that program for so long. I I'm having a hard time even coming up with a comp for Scott Drew and the job he's done at Baylor in those 18 years since taking over 
in 2003 and what he inherited for a program that really didn't have a lot of success in their history uh, with Baylor basketball. How remarkable is it when you see what he inherited and what he's done with this program? When I started watching Baylor, they were terrible in the Old Southwest Conference. And at one point, they got good enough to finish second or third several years in a row. They never had it. In the Southwest Conference, for the longest time, didn't have anybody go into the NBA. And then Baylor got its greatest player in history, Vinnie Johnson, who went on to help the Motor City Bad Boys in Detroit win back-to-back NBA titles. And that kind of turned around the recruiting where they did get some guys who went on to the NBA. But when Dave Bliss was there, and he had success, and then it turned out an assistant coach recorded him uh, when he was talking to the players and coaches, and when he had one player kill another one, tried to blame it on the drug deals gone bad. And uh, I thought they were going to abolish the program. It was so down. And they fired Bliss, and they went from, you know, ecstasy to agony and then scott drew came in after being head coach for one year and he looked like he hadn't even reached puberty he still barely looks like he's 18 and he's 50 but when he came in and and i'm glad cbs showed this as a national news conference when he said i'm here to win a national championship and everybody laughed at him because the with the restrictions he was starting out with and 18 years later nobody is laughing at him. I think it's accurate to say that Scott Drew has done the greatest basketball turnaround in history because of the circumstances and the limitations. People say, well, what about Jerry Sandusky and Penn State football when Bill O'Brien came in? But they had built-in recruiting there. And, yes, it was a great turnaround by Bill O'Brien in his two seasons before he came to the Texans. But when you see where Baylor was, I, I know I'm partial, guys, but the fact is, as CBS said, it is the greatest turnaround in college basketball history, maybe the greatest turnaround in college sports history. What was your expectation going into that game, John, uh, after seeing Zags and UCLA, but Baylor uh, conquering Houston the way it did too? Well, I'm sorry you brought that up, Bob, because I'm picking <laughs> Zaga by four. And uh, most people I saw dead. I noticed on, I watched like, hours of pregame shows and Seth Greenberg and Alfonso Ellis picked Baylor. And I thought Baylor in that victory over the University of Houston, which was its best performance of the season, I thought, well, okay, there it is. That was the best performance. Now, how are they going to be able to do that again? How are they going to be able to do that against a team that's unbeaten, leads the country in scoring at 91 points a game? And what impressed me the most wasn't the free throw shooting, 44% compared to an NCAA best 41% during the season. But the way their defense was great all season, especially with their guards, but every one of those players came out, and they were relentless on defense. I thought Drew Timmy, who had scored 22 in the paint against UCLA, would beat him up inside. He's 6'10". They got Jonathan Chachua in the middle, and I thought neither one of them could control Timmy, but they did a tremendous job of being relentless on defense. They were smart the way they switched, the way they got back. And I think ultimately that is what won. And they out-rebounded them 38-22. to And Mark Vidal, whose value to Baylor could never be measured in scoring, had eight or nine offensive rebounds. And you knew the guards were going to play well, but I thought 
Thamba and Chamba Joshua playing inside, that those guys both played better than they had been. John, first national championship in basketball for a school from the state of Texas since Texas Western in 1966 for Baylor. And you had that national semi with Baylor and Houston that you mentioned. I'm just curious, there in the city of Houston, what was it like in terms of interest around Houston basketball and then Baylor getting ready for that Final Four matchup? Well, you can imagine the largest city in Texas, third largest in the country. There's a lot of Baylor alums here. I mean, like 50,000 down here. And then University of Houston. So it was it was a lot of good-natured trash talking last week on the talk shows. And uh, I've got a lot of friends that went to Houston. And I said, and I and I tweeted, I said, if it's not Baylor, I hope it's Houston. Kelvin Sampton did a tremendous job of turning around the Cougars program. I was a big Cougar fan during the Faisalama Jamma era of 82, 83, 84. When you go to three Final Fours and you don't win and you lose two championship games, including the last one, the North Carolina State, when Lorenzo Charles put up an air ball by Derek Wittenberg on a dunk to win the game. And that enduring memory of Jim Valvano running around the court looking for someone to hug, that was devastating. We've had a lot of devastating losses in Houston history at the pro and collegiate level, none worse than the Oilers' choke job at Buffalo in the uh, wild card game after the 92 season. But man, oh man, a game to go to the World Series and a three-game lead in the ninth with Nolan Ryan on the mound, and they blow that. And that Houston game with Lorenzo Charles doing that, it was just devastating because that Houston semifinal game against Louisville, the doctors of Dunk versus Faisal Amajama, that may be the most athletic performance put on by two teams in NCAA history. So I felt terrible for the Cougars. And so I thought if they beat Baylor, I want them to beat Gonzaga and win the championship. But Baylor stomped them, then came out and stomped Gonzaga. And it's great for the state of Texas. It's great for Waco and Houston. People are talking about the Cougars right now. The only thing they're talking about down here last week were the Cougars, the Astros sweeping the A's, their bitter rivals, and then Deshaun Watson. John McClain with us from the Houston Chronicle here on Outkick 360. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, you mentioned Watson, and uh, yesterday Tony Busby had uh, two of the 22 uh, accusers at a press conference uh, where one read a statement and was in front of the camera. Uh, another had someone representing her and a statement that was read. What, what did you think as you watched the presser yesterday and over the last 24 hours or so, the response? Uh, the one that was read by was one of Tony Busby's partners, an attorney. She read one from one of their clients who said her therapist suggested she do it. But the, uh, the, the accuser who's, who was on camera and let her name be known, uh, I watched it, it was powerful. It was emotional. It was disturbing. You know, today Nike announced that it has suspended its relationship with Watson, could revisit it later. Will Nike be the first of the many endorsements that he has? The NFL is investigating. And uh, the thing is, we may never know the truth. You know, Watson's innocent until proven guilty. His accusers deserve to be heard, whether it's in court or in news conferences. And, 22 of them tell a similar story 
All those websites are on HoustonChronicle.com and our sports website, TexasSportsNation.com. And I've read every one of those lawsuits, and it's just, it just it blows my mind. And so I don't think there's any way Watson's going to be traded before the draft. I'd be shocked if he's playing next season. I could see him being put on the exempt list where he'd be, he would play, he would be paid, but he would not play while the league tries to sort it out. And uh, it's going to go on a long time. And I don't see any teams trading for him now. You saw what Carolina did to get Sam Darnold. The Panthers had been one of the six teams seriously interested in the trade. 49ers were one of the six. They moved up to three to draft a quarterback. Here the Jets and the Dolphins who were interested. They're going to draft quarterbacks. The Bears were another one. The Broncos at nine. And uh, I just had my mock draft that I sent in. I have... Justin Fields dropping down to the Broncos at number nine. So of those six teams that were interested, I'm guessing the Bears, who have the lowest pick at 20, they're going to be the only one that doesn't get one of those top five quarterbacks. But, hey, they got Andy Dalton, one year and $10 million. Why do you need another quarterback? So uh, you mentioned the commissioner's exempt list on which guys are paid to basically disappear. Could you see a scenario here where the evolution of guys in trouble takes another step and Houston searches for a way not to pay him to not play while he's under all of this uh, investigation? Uh, The Texans, there's no way they're going to cut him and go after his signing bonus. That sends a terrible message. It sends a powerful message about what they will do under circumstances like this, but it also sends a message about um, when anytime you go after a player's signing bonus, and if he if the Texans don't do anything, he said he's going to hold out and he's going to sacrifice millions because he wants to be traded, and uh, it would be doing Watson a favor for Goodell to put him on the exempt list when they right. start getting paid when the season starts because that way he gets paid for sitting out. He sits out on his own doesn't get paid. But I tell you this, you know, this is terrible for the women. It's terrible for Watson. It's terrible for the Texans because they go from hoping to get three ones, two twos, and a defensive starter, and maybe more with six teams bidding for him to getting nada. John, what's the next layer to this story that you're waiting on now? I mentioned yesterday we, we were waiting on the NFL to say something. I know they released a statement through Brian McCarthy as they saying they were monitoring a, a deeply disturbing situation. What, what are you watching for now? I'm watching to see if any other companies suspend their uh, deals with him or drop him. And uh, I already know they're not going to be able to trade him before the draft. I'm not waiting for that. And truthfully, uh, beyond the lawsuits and the penalties from the NFL, which will take forever, although you would think they would prioritize this, the investigative arm of the NFL, because of the severity of it, of how many accusers there are, that they would try to speed it up compared to, say, Antonio Brown, who's still being investigated from 2019. So uh, I don't never thought he would report for an off-season program or training camp, but uh, and maybe that, it's not going to make him want to come back to the Texans anymore. But maybe financially, he may have to. Well, and John, that's what I want to get to. It was one big story when Deshaun Watson was demanding a trade. 
from the football side of this. And I want to ask you about the football side of this organizationally, not just with Deshaun Watson, but now with the Texans organization. They're stuck in limbo. They got a guy who's more than likely going to be suspended. Uh, we don't know how long, but that's probably going to happen. You've got a draft coming up. What does this do football-wise to the organization with the quarterback who's your star player <clears throat> wanting to be traded, but now all these legal problems going on? What are the Texans left to do? Does this change a draft strategy for them? How do you see this playing out with, with the football side of things for the Texans? Well, when you don't have a first or second round pick, Chad, like it's not going to affect much of your draft. You know, we wondered, okay, what if the 67th pick that Nick Casario, the GM, who just made his 34th, brought in his 34th player with a tight end yesterday and has made more than 40 transactions, closing in on 45 counting players he's gotten rid of or has not re-signed, that would he take a quarterback with all the needs they have? In my second mock draft, I have him taking a cornerback. At some point, I'll have him taking defensive linemen. Those two are bigger priorities than anything. But what if there's a quarterback like, say, Kellen Mond or Davis Mills or Kyle Trask, who he has a second-round grade on, a high second-round grade, and he drops into the third round? Would they take him with all those other needs? They signed to Rod Taylor. They traded for Ryan Finley from Cincinnati. Those are their two quarterbacks right now. Watson's still on the roster. Watson was not going to report. Watson was not going to play. So when it comes to having him around, they if he lived up to what he told them, they were going to be without him anyway. So whatever moves they make, they got to do it. I don't, they're not going to get a franchise quarterback there. There's been a lot of quarterbacks drafted in the third round down, like Joe Montana and Tom Brady and Johnny Unitas and, and Russell Wilson. And those guys, it, it can happen. And maybe they'll get somebody there. But right now, I think they're competing for the top pick in next year's draft. And they better hope that a Zach Wilson or Joe Burrow emerges next season that nobody was predicting before the previous draft. John McClain with us in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for his great coverage of the league. And also, you can read his work at cron.com. John, what do you think of Carolina? They, they want a big fish quarterback. They've decided to go with Sam Darnold. Uh, they were going to be a big contender, I think, for, uh, for Watson. They go a different direction here. Sam Darnold, uh, the reclamation project, coming out of a terrible situation in New York, and New York's new regime is going to draft a quarterback with a number two pick. Darnold goes to, uh, to a good head coach, a good coordinator in Joe Brady uh, with a clean slate. Now, they didn't give up too, too much for him if he's a guy that pans out and is a quality starter for them. What do you think of that trade? What do you think of his potential in Carolina? If you go back to 2016 and you look at the quarterbacks taken at the top of the first round, all of them have new zip codes. It is amazing. And then these five quarterbacks who are going to go in the first round, how many of them will have new teams within four years? Just, just amazing. Not just They're not bad decisions made on these quarterbacks. It's bad coaching, bad systems, bad turnovers and quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators. Sam Darnold was the third overall pick. He's 23 years old. And I remember the Texans played at MetLife Stadium his rookie year in December. Watson played great. The Texans won. But Darnold was tremendous. And after that game, friends of mine in the New York media like, aha, 
That's why they drafted him so high. This kid is going to be the best name of this kid. He showed today what he's capable of doing, and then he was never able to consistently do it, and he was hurt, and they didn't help him with the personnel around him. In Carolina, with Matt Rule running the show, they want to surround him with weapons. Rule loves Joe Brady, what he did with Joe Burrow at LSU and how much he helped uh, when he was in a minor role with Sean Payton, what he did there. And he did everything last season he could do with Teddy Bridgewater. But I'm guessing we're going to see a different Sam Darnold next season, especially if, say, with that uh, pick, they are able to get him a big-time weapon or a big-time offensive lineman protection because I think Sam Darnold can play. 49ers with the third pick, they know they're going to have their choice of, of Jones, Fields, or Lance. Everybody says I'm picking a different guy, but the fact is they obviously like two, at least two of those guys. So it's fascinating. And I, if, I'm, if I'm Nick Casario, right before the draft, I'm going to call Joe Douglas with the Jets, and I'm going to say, Joe, here's what we know. Here's what we think we know. Would you swap that pick, Sean Watson, just straight up, going from trying to get three ones, two twos, and a defensive starter for a quarterback if you like him? And maybe Casario doesn't think he's a franchise. But if he does, make that offer and see if they do it, if Woody Johnson would let him do it with all this hanging over his head. And because if they got him in a straight-up trade for an unproven rookie and Watson gets this behind him, as he will eventually, and plays great again, then that could end up five years from now being a steal. John, we know the draft begins at pick number four. We know quarterbacks are going one, two, and three. But at number three, when the when the trade was made, we haven't talked with you since the 49ers jumped up to the third overall pick. When you saw the news come down, which quarterback did you immediately think Shanahan was after because you know him well? Well, I don't have any idea. People are trying to read into the fact that he went to Alabama's pro day or his college teammate, Chris Sims, who he's really good friends with, said Jones. Kyle Shanahan's not stupid. He's not going to tell Chris, Chris Sims who he's going to draft, knowing that Sims is on the media every day. And I'm, I'm guessing if he keeps Jimmy Garoppolo, like he says he is, that they've getting a guy that they think needs to sit for a year because they're trying to bounce back and win a division. Like in 2019, when they went to Super Bowl, it's the toughest division in the NFL. Kyle doesn't want to be in last place playing a rookie quarterback every game. You know, they would like to do like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, save it for the last game, go to the playoffs with Garoppolo again, hope Garoppolo stays healthy. Then next offseason, maybe for the draft, you trade Garoppolo then. And uh, as far as which one, in my mock drafts, I'm going to have Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. And I'm pretty sure by the time they do it on April 29th, I will have gotten one of those right. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, uh, are you going to stick with Kyle Pitts at number four overall to Atlanta the entire time? Just changed uh, to Atlanta to Trey Lance. Because mm. of this, Matt Ryan, they redid his contract. And next year, his cap figure is $45 million, which means he's going to have to be redone again. And so I'm sure Arthur Smith goes in there, and he'd love to work with Matt Ryan. Ryan can still play. But I also bet, as a, as a 
off, longtime offensive coach and a play caller and an offensive coordinator now getting his first chance as a head coach. Those guys love to get their hands on a quarterback of their choosing. So this week I had uh, Jones going three and Trey Lance going four and Justin Fields dropping down to Denver at number nine. Where do you stand generally, John, on the idea of Atlanta not being a terrible team, still having a quarterback who's certainly, you know, top half of the league with Matt Ryan? Are you a they should use four to get the best player they can to go for it with Ryan? Or are you on the side of, hey, they're not going to be up at four again anytime soon they should get the guy that's going to replace Ryan while they're up there. Which side of that are you on? Well, Paul, first of all, they've got to think, you know, this is the last time we're going to be picking this high. You know, they're fired up about the Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, the new regime coming in there, and they're pretty sure they're going to compete for at least a wild card berth. But you got the Saints without Drew Brees. you got the Bucks bringing back everybody. you got Carolina with Sam Darnold, with Matt Rule in his second season. The toughest thing last year was being a new coach with new coordinators under the COVID-19 restrictions with which they had to work in the offseason and training camp without a preseason. So I think we're going to see the Panthers make dramatic improvement, but it doesn't, still doesn't mean they won't finish last. I could see the Falcons finishing second or fourth. I think we'll all pick Tampa Bay for number one. But if they... If they believe they're not going to be picking there again for a while, to me, they got to take quarterback. No matter how tempting it is to have your choice of every other player, something else I've considered, say Denver is dying to get a quarterback, and they make them a great deal to move down to number nine. They can still get a great position player. They might miss out on the quarterbacks. And if that's the case, instead of having a pick of all of them, I dropped from four to nine and have a, bit, a shot at a lot of them. A little behind the scenes, last night I was talking with John on the phone and he said, man, your show looks really, really good on social media. And I said, that's all thanks to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, and David Reed. Uh, what I didn't talk with John about is both Lance and Jacob, John, are were and are in some wonderful bands uh, throughout their time. <laughs> And you certainly know great band names. You, you were in a band in high school, uh, a band name that you will never repeat in public, and the secret is still and remains well, I was safe. I going to just tell you guys, I was going to tell you right now what that band name is. <laughs> okay, go ahead. It's an exclusive to Outkick 360. <laughs> yeah, the name, of our, the name of our band when we did it was... <laughs> and it froze right there. Uh, uh, for, but, uh, streaming hey, problems. But John, I, I do want to uh, Jacob on a scale. On a, again. I can't hear you. Y'all are talking. I can't hear you. Let me go over here and see if I accidentally turn. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. But in all seriousness, you, you know great band names and hilarious ones at that. I, I want to get on a scale of one to ten. You to rank these three for us, just each one through ten. That's brilliant. Uh, because both Lance and Jacob, these are all post uh, past band names that they were a part of. These are real. These are all they real. They band names like underwear. Uh, the first one is Night Fist. Night, like you've been knighted. Night Fist. Night with a K. Night Fist 
boy, why fist? I'd put that about a three. <laughs> okay, three out of a ten. Night Ranger, um, I like that. He knows it. Dad's acid. <laughs> Two. 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 He laughed hard, though, for those of you only on Comedic effect worked. And finally, glove hand. Glove hand. Well, that certainly makes sense. I'd give that about a five. And now that I'm back on, I'll see what you guys would rate my old band name uh, when we were. In terms of. I uh, need to work. Y'all need to work on this sound system. Yeah, they really do. In terms of the quality of the secret, John, it is a 10 plus. Yes. I've never been part of such a fun secret with a group of friends that I could think of as your band name. It's great. Well, I think, I think I've told you guys this uh, several times when I have been in Nashville, and the last time I was getting, I was up for the Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy Fundraiser with uh, Mike Brable and John Robinson. And I was getting my my car from a valet and uh, I told him, thank you. And he stopped and he said, could you say that again? I said, thank you. He said, are you on the radio? I said, yeah. He said, are you John McClain? I said, yeah. Instead of saying, man, I really love listening to you like everybody else did, he goes, hey, I got to know what was the name of your band? I won't tell anybody, I promise. Oh. And I said, uh, sorry, that secret will will die with me. So oh, no, no doubt, no doubt. John, um, and it's safe with us as well. Uh, I, we, we love having you on. Thank you for joining us today and what's been an extremely busy schedule for you, and, and let's do it again soon. Guys, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much as always. And remember, second bears. Congratulations. Congrats, John. Thanks, John. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, great friend of the show and continues to be just that. Great job. Without with the, kick. With the band name stuff. The next popular question is going to be, are you growing a beard? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, Claire. <laughs> I think it's a pretty easy yeah. answer to that. Well, yeah. I, I mean, Hutton and I go the same on this. We will both just oh, yeah. divest ourselves of shaving for 10 days at a time, which is about what that is that's 10 claire has days. requested that i grow the beard for our anniversary which is a week from friday yeah and i i've had some production things this week and i i it was really bugging me that i didn't shave for this <laughs> but I, I haven't done it it's an anniversary uh gift. it's a gift what, and what number anniversary is beard five for, is, is beard the five year, year five um hair so, so many meetings so yeah. many meetings <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like she she walked in. I, I had the razor out the other day, and like she it, knocks it out of his. She head. was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Tri, how <laughs> dare you? Neck. How dare you?" She doesn't even want that. She wants. What do you think, Chad? Shaggly? Like my, the secret's out, not on the beard, but on the gray. I've got a ton of gray in the yeah, beard. Yeah, that's this I, area right here is gray for virtually every. I don't know if you could even grow it out, but it, I don't grow a lot of hair right there. But right on the top of the chin is gray for me too. That's the spot. That's the spot. Yep. Yeah, now that I didn't really notice the gray, to be honest with you. But now that you point at it, I'm not oh, going to see anything else. It's, it's there, and it's not going away. <laughs> so are you going to leave it to judge it after she gets the gift well, of the so beard on the anniversary? You, Will you then judge if you like it or not? We can put it up for a show, uh, show <laughs> sure if you want. Uh, so going back to 2012, the first year that the show, the trio was together, I believe I grew a beard for the Predators playoff run, like until they lost. 
I grew the beard Do you out. That? Um, well, he had a beard early. That's in the, the last time. History, I remember. That's the last time oh, I did heavy it. Of a so beard. it was Not pretty heavy. heavy. It, it was a heavy beard. beard. We we yeah. it went pictures. like two months. Yeah. Yeah. There's pictures where you can see it went like two months. Is that itching? That's the last time Claire liked me too. Was when I had the beard. So it's back. Well, it's nice to get her back. <laughs> yeah. No amount of facial hair can make Angie like been me. Been a decade. So. <laughs> See, mine's been a decade. Uh, yeah. If I go, uh, you know, and I've been shaving once a week right now. If I go much longer than that, I lose Teresa entirely. She's the other way. She wants nothing to do with Oh, clean shave. Yeah, she much prefers clean shave. Patrick on Twitter, follow us at Outkick360, says, For a split second, I thought we were going to learn the name of the band, and for that split second... All of the pain of 2020 disappeared, <laughs> and everything was perfect. That was a fantastic tease from John McClain. That was a fantastic split oh, second. We're yes. happy to provide you with that split second. We are That's back we with more on OutKick 360, including breaking news in college basketball with the coaching circle. That is next. Sean Miller is out at Arizona. It's OutKick 360 on the OutKick Network. The news from Jeff Goodman. Arizona has parted ways with Sean Miller. He spent 12 years at the University of Arizona. He had one year left on his contract. Of course, we discussed Arizona while we were discussing Will Wade and LSU, a part of a massive investigation that's going on with the NCAA. Miller was actually charged with head coach responsibility for failure to promote an atmosphere of compliance. And They've, they've actually stuck by him for four years, much like LSU has been by Will Wade. Bruce Stand Pearl. And Bruce Pearl's another one. The, the other program that, because this FBI investigation, that Kansas. self-imposed a, a postseason ban. Yep. Kansas, just Arizona and Auburn. Who didn't impose a, a postseason ban? LSU, Kansas. Yep. Hasn't done it, but uh, Auburn and Arizona took the steps to do that this year. USC switch coaches. Yeah, so I, I think the shoe's going to drop eventually on Will Wade and Bruce Pearl and everyone else involved in this as well. You would but think eventually in in this setting is a much longer word. Uh, we're, we're talking, uh, yeah. you know, in the LSU's instance, eventually is uh, seemingly the the longest version of eventually. I don't think LSU cares. They don't. I think that's the they, one. They clearly and, don't. You know, Auburn at least said well, we're going to self-impose a, a one-year postseason ban going into this season. I, I don't know that LSU really cares. Well, that, uh, they don't care about the NCAA. They they came back with an agreement with Will Wade that has a lot of outs for LSU's side of things. You know, if the FBI investigation comes out, he can't come back and try to recoup money if he's terminated. There, there is there, there's a lot of things that were agreed to. When both sides got together, when Will Wade refused to meet with them at the SEC tournament and he was suspended, uh, nonetheless, Chad's right. They've stuck by him, and they don't care about the NCAA investigation. That's, that's been made clear. But the, the, the FBI investigation is a different animal, and that's also why some of this is taking so long. Well, it's, it's also the two coaches that would most commonly come up when any story was out there was, mm-hmm. and yet Sean Miller – and Will Wade continue to coach right. and continue to have a job. Well, there's one of them gone Down now and Sean Miller. Jeff Goodman tweeting this out. Some names to watch at Arizona with Arizona ties. Damon Stoudemire, who's currently Pacific's head coach. Lakers assistant, this is a name you'll remember in March Madness lore. Miles Simon, who's a former Arizona assistant and player and now with the Lakers. Simon says championship. And here's the one that I, I do not get. 
Georgia Simon Tech head coach Josh Pastner, who saved his job this year. He was going to get fired at Georgia Tech. Did, got fired at Memphis. Yeah. Was about to get fired at Georgia Tech. They had a great year. They won uh, the ACC tournament this year. They lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, but he did play for Lute Olson at Arizona. Am I wrong to think, for, first off, uh, stripping away any NCAA, tr- NCAA troubles, Arizona's a very good job. Give them NCAA troubles. And it seems like now in this climate, uh, if they want a good coach, they merely write, he merely writes in all of these features about insurance against their NCAA troubles, gets a long-term contract with guarantees that insure him against the sanctions, you know, gets a long-term deal. <clears throat> I don't suffer the consequences that the program suffers, you know, for lack of scholarships or whatever the sanctions are. And it's still a very good job if, if you get the long-term insurances, right? I think, I think that uh, it's easy to sell to the NCAA you're serious about compliance when you fire your coach immediately when this happens. I think that Arizona loses the ability to come back and say, boy, we're serious about these allegations when you stuck by a guy for four years. And then you fire him because, quite frankly, the basketball has become mediocre. With a year left Arizona of also. Yeah, So right. I, I don't think you're that – You're not going to extend them. Well, this is, and this is my argument with Tennessee. Right, regardless of the intent, you hear a lot about intent now or the motivation with, with Jeremy Pruitt. You can at least, if you're Tennessee, go to the NCAA and say, Look, guys, we brought you in on everything. We were serious about it. We fired the coach. We fired the staff. It's going to cost us a ton of money. We've completely Set cleaned house. Back. We brought everyone else in. We're probably going to self impose a penalty. You can sell the. The, the, whatever happens with sanctions should not be that much based on what we've already done to ourselves. Can't really sell that at Arizona, even though you're firing your coach. Certainly can't sell it at LSU, right? But you really can't sell that at Arizona because they stuck with Sean Miller for so long. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the wrong way to go with the NCAA. You, you can fight it out and say, dare them to do something. But when you fire a guy with a year left in the contract, four years with this going on, you can't really sell that. I don't that. disagree we, with we that, care about compliance. but I'm saying in terms of it being an attractive job for a coach, if Arizona's saying, hey, uh, we're giving you a pass on enduring the two or three years that are going to be tough with all this contract language, and we're assuring you of six years of money anyway, um, you know, then you can go there and for the first three years slog through whatever you have to slog through, then it's a good job again. I saw someone uh, tweet out that, that they should hire Archie, Sean's little brother, <laughs> who's available, uh, which is funny. But uh, everybody's immediately going to the former player because what are the two biggest jobs that opened up this past cycle? Indiana, Indiana and North Carolina. North what do they do? Player. They went to two former players. Well, also, uh, Arizona's a storied program. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would want a former player. I, in the mix, at least, right? You, you want a mile sign. I, mean, the I, I don't know what kind I, of coach I just, is, If but. I'm Arizona... Again, I, I think that there is a proven winner of a head coach that you're not even considering that may want to move, that may want to leave. Why not call Eric Musselman? Why not call Nate Oates? Why not swing big first? Oh, I'd, I'd call you said proven that. coach. I thought you were going to say Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, he, he didn't go there, but, I mean, that was the guy that was I'd, call, I'd was call all those guys. I, with all these jobs, you start big, right? Why not start big? I just – because of – what is it? Because of Penny Hardaway's success? I just don't know why we're rushing to get the alum – that was a good player for your school to bring in when there are – it's Arizona, that there are 
it's a top 15 or 20 job nationally. No, I put the Maybe alum in the that. mix, but I'm like you. Start, you know, make the list, prioritize the list, start at the top. Right. If, uh, but Miles the, Simon's example. on the list. I'm fine with that. If Porter Moser was still at Loyola and didn't take the Oklahoma job, this is a better would job? you go after Porter Moser Absolutely. at Loyola? Yes. For sure. Yes. And then would he consider Arizona if he left for Oklahoma? Probably. I mean, I would pick Arizona over Oklahoma That's for basketball. That's why I said Porter Moser should wait. Yeah. Uh, as we head to the Tennessee Power Hour, Paul, the Boston Red Sox are wearing yellow throwback Nike uniforms. This is what we hate about the, the, the trend of the current sports climate. This is not just a Major League Baseball thing. It's now reaching Major League Baseball in a terrible way. Give me this game. Where every uniform has to be different, no matter the color scheme, no matter the tradition. What's, look at this. Show it to me. Show it to me so that I could vomit. Look at this. This, this is real. I thought this... April I, Fools, I, I thought, it was around this, April Fools. When I saw this tweet, I thought, oh, was this originally tr- tweeted on April 1st and it's now being retweeted as a joke? No. This is the Boston Red Sox throwback, not throwback, uh, alternate uniform through Nike. Let me, let me have the camera. Like Chad calls for camera three, I'll call for camera one. Look, I hate the Boston Red Sox with all my heart. Number one on my enemies list. Chad was forming an enemies <laughs> list lately. Number one on my enemies list. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome for the reminder. Yeah, there are certain franchises that you just do not mess with. Now, I hate that the Boston Red Sox qualify as one of those franchises. I hate it. But they do. Or they did. I thought they did. If they wear this in a game, they are eliminated from that list. <laughs> Period. <laughs> And, and that, that is something that is so stupid to sacrifice for yourself. If you're the Yankees, if you're the, the Lakers, if you're the Celtics, if you're any of these, these teams that have this history, even the Cubs, and they don't have it for winning. They just have it out of the long history and their story. You don't mess with it. And once you mess with it, you can't take it back. You can't, it's not part of your legend. Oh, remember when we screwed up and we wore yellow? That's not part of your legend. That's an unwinding of your legend. That's a surrendering of your legend. And when you do it, you've, you've turned into something else than what you are. So do it. Wear these. Put them on immediately because it takes you out of the small exclusive club that you're in that I hate you're a part of, that I don't want you to be a part of. I'm so glad that you're willingly giving it up. Congratulations and thank you. Why are, why are we so, as a sports society, uh, willing to give up the beauty of tradition for a uniform set? I don't know. There's some friend of mine, a Red Sox friend of mine, that I sent it to, and he, he's disgusted by it as well, but he said there is a backstory to it. And I said, I don't care what the backstory is. No backstory Great. justifies it. Yeah, it's a yellow uniform for the Boston Red Sox. It's opposite day? Opposite day doesn't it's, justify it's not it. A, uh, so it's not, a, it's not a throwback. It's a new back. It's, or a, something. it's, it's an alternate uniform by Nike. It, it's I don't, an alternate I don't uniform inspired by Boston Marathon. I don't, understand why you have, I don't know, understand why you have to... Uh, you know what, Patriots wear it as a team. Blue. You, can sell, you can sell a green uniform 
for St. Patrick's and Day. I'm, I'm against that. Sell it. I'm, I'm, but it doesn't I'm, mean you I'm have so to wear old it. school that I go about even, I don't oh. even like selling. You know, the, pre, the, the green to localize it. The predators have the, a, the, the green, uh, you know, the March uniform for St. Patrick's Day. They don't wear it. They warm up in it. And then they put on their jersey, they put on their sweater, and go play hockey. I'll say this. I'm disgusted that the Yankees have a swoosh on their jersey, on their pinstripes jersey. I'm disgusted that there's a swoosh. I pledge that there would never be a day where the Yankees wore the hat that has, uh, you know, the red, white, and blue in their logo. And I believe to this day that if George Steinbrenner were alive, they never would have gone along with that. They would have let the rest of the major leagues wear that. They would have taken the consequences of the commissioner's office, and they never would have changed that. And I believe firmly they never should have changed that. They should have said to major leagues, this is a great marketing campaign for everybody else, but we don't do this because our uniform is sacred, and this is what we look like every time we walk on the field. We wear two versions of the uniform, and we wear this hat. And that is who we are, and that is what we do. And I have no problem with that. And everybody says, that's snooty, that's whatever. No, that's the Yankees. And I think there should be teams like that. Uh, I agree. Right? Yep, I agree. And we can go into college football. There's a number of those teams that you don't Notre mess Dame with the helmet. You don't mess, mess with the, uh, don't mess with the uniform scheme. Penn State. Everything else. Uh, I would even say Tennessee with the power T on the helmet. Don't but mess, don't me- yeah, mess that helmet. On the helmet, but they've messed around with the uniforms yeah, a lot. Well, with the smoky gray and all so, that. There's going to be seven of these City Connect uniforms that Nike's making for seven different teams, and Boston's the first to unveil it. It's in Who honor of the Boston it? Marathon, but I'm, I'm having a hard time finding why those colors. I'm not seeing that it's the official color of the Boston Marathon even as to why they picked that color scheme. Also, it's, it's in honor Patriots of the Boston Marathon. Day, and the Red Sox colors happen to be colors associated with the America, colors of America, the American which flag. are the colors of Patriots. Well, and, I, and we're mentioning the Red Yellow's Sox. Yellow's nowhere in there. I, I bring it up because I knew it would fire Paul up. Thank uh, you. But, I, but I mean, it's not a Red Sox issue. This is Nike. Taking and, over. Yes. And, I, again, we, there, there's a beauty in tradition. And we so, I mean, so often we overlook the traditions in order to have a jersey sale. And I just, it doesn't mean your team has to wear it. I agree. You don't have to have a fashion show every time you, you know, get on a red carpet. You don't have to warm up. You don't have to ro- roll out the red carpet to get on a private plane to fly to the city you're playing in and have a fashion shoot on the way. Like, I, I just, hop on the plane and go play ball. I don't, but get out there. Well, and, the Red Sox should not be up. messing with their uniforms. I mean, it's, it's very I agree. Simple. The Boston, if I said the Boston Red Sox, that is a brand that's immediately recognizable, that people can see the hat, they can see the uniforms. It's not a brand you mess with. We went through the other, the Notre Dame, Alabama, Penn State. You go down the list in different sports. The Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You go through these teams, you say it, immediately it pops in your head what the uniforms look like. If that's the case, don't mess with it. The Red Sox shouldn't be messing with us. I'm glad they're doing it. They're cheaping their brand. Now someone's going to call us insensitive because, oh, you don't care about the Boston Marathon victims because of the – Not at break. all. You can honor the Boston Marathon and their victims with a, a patch, with a, uh, maybe use the same color scheme, but have something written on it just for the Patriots Day about the there victims. Plenty There's plenty of ways, of ways you can do it without having a, a peep-inspired uh, uniform that's peep yellow <laughs> for Easter. That's what immediately jumps to mind for me. Awful. Uh, we are back with more. By the way, we make up the rules here on the clock uh, for the Tennessee Power Hour. We are uh, eight Any, minutes into the Tennessee Power Hour. Anyone about to run down the hallway and yell at us for going to break late? 
Hell no. Okay. Doesn't happen anymore. The only person that yells at us is Lance. But typically, he's just yelling to customer service reps on the phone yeah. before the show. That's normal. Demanding certain, refunds. Certain mice don't run. <laughs> I'll kick 360 rolls on. Well said.